Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. Welcome. Oh, yeah, to the Fizzle Show. We're going to have a really great show. It's about Fizzle time for the Fizzle Show. Dabba, 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 Fizzle Show. It's a little ditty I put together for you. Uh, this is the Fizzle Show, our chance to help freelancers and creative entrepreneurs by sharing the nuts and bolts of building a small business that works. And every Friday, we publish another conversation about the art and science of supporting yourself doing something that you actually care about. There's four hosts on the show today. Barrett Brooks, he's the head of growth here at Fizzle. Steph Crowder, our director of member success. Corbett Barr, our experienced CEO who's really done everything from venture-backed startups to blogs to bootstrap businesses. And me, Chase Reeves, the sort of dancing monkey, creative director of Fizzle. (laughs) In this episode... Do you, this is serious, do you ever get that pit in your stomach on Sunday evening? Have you ever had had that, like sort of dreading what Monday brings? And do you feel isolated from your coworkers? I mean, do you maybe hate your job? Well, I did. And in fact, each of us on the show have struggled with those exact feelings. And on the show today, we break down how to analyze, cope, and make liberating decisions about your job. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 114. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. Everybody don't know. I thought you were going to start him off with some serious tips and tricks. <laughs> yeah, we are going to start off with some serious tips and tricks today. Barrett, tell us what we're getting into. All right. So today I wanted to talk about a topic that I think is close to home for a lot of people in the Fizzle audience, which is dealing with the job that you hate and maybe trying to start a business while you're in that job. Uh, we see so many people who end up leaving their jobs before they know what their business idea is. I'm looking at myself here when I started my first business and we see so many people who struggle with the balance of having a job, trying to start a business, having a family and all of the realities of life, especially once you're beyond your early twenties, when you can't just throw your arms up and say, okay, I quit. I'm out of here, you know, burn all your bridges and go start a business. uh, Take this job and shove it. So this episode is all about our tips for coping with jobs that might suck. Um, What's, to do when you're in a job and you want to start a business and some of the tips that we have for managing those two kind of alternate lives, doing the Superman thing and having your business on the side and still showing up to work and being a half decent employee. So that's the topic for the day. I love that. I mean, the first thing it made me think of when we were talking about doing this was that feeling I used to get on Sunday nights. Do you you guys ever have that where it was like this, like, like Sunday nights, like, Oh Damn it, man. It's oh, yeah. like, you know, it's like that dread. It's coming around. It's coming up like Monday's yeah. happening. For me, it was because I had to start packing a bag. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, because <laughs> you, know you, know I mean? you did. You the, did. The, so tell us like the, the crappy things about that. The, the It was just, you know, I'd get home on Friday night and uh, a taxi would drop me off at whatever restaurant my wife was already at or yeah. whatever. And uh, I'd come in with a wheelie bag looking mm-hmm. like a. <laughs> 
I don't know what. <laughs> I mean, especially coming. I, I, I no. What did you look like? What do you mean? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I'm like a 25 year old with a wheelie bag on Friday evening at yeah. like 10 p.m. or whatever. Like, hey guys, I'm here. I, it's party time. You know? Uh, do you have any place I could put my wheelie bag? <laughs> And then, and then you feel like, you know, you, you have all this anxiety to like hang out and party with people. And then you got to spend quality time with your spouse or whatever on Saturday. Yeah. And then Sunday comes 48 hours later and you're already packing your bag to leave again. Yeah. Like that's the worst. It's like why even unpack your wheelie bag in the first place? I know, right? <laughs> well, a lot of people, I, I started leaving stuff and at the dry cleaners over the weekend, you know, you drop it off on Friday oh, yeah. and then pick it up on Monday. And oh, that makes sense. Less to put in your wheelie bag that way. <laughs> wheelie bag. Still less to put in your wheelie bag. Uh, strategy uh, standard, standard but yeah the sunday night thing even even when you're not traveling i know that that feeling like yeah you start getting anxious like and i was thinking i mean i i don't know i i go back and forth on this because i'm i'm a long way from that now even though i'm working a lot harder than than i ever kind of have in terms of like productivity the things that i'm putting out there i'm doing a lot more but it really doesn't feel like it and i think that that's the difference it's not or there's something in that that's the difference. It, it, it's it's not just the work itself; it's how you feel about it, yeah. right? I, and I don't know what that is. I don't. I don't. I don't have that degree. Yeah. yeah. When we started talking about this, and Barrett sent over a bunch of background articles, one of which I had written. Um, yeah. Which one was that? Well, I didn't read that one. Uh, three reasons to never take another job. Oh yeah, we st- which is still one <laughs> it's of a our popular one. Yeah, like highly traveled. Yeah. And I read that, um, and I realized I was talking like very specifically to myself, and I I did caveat a couple of times. Well. You know, there are some people out there who like their jobs, but the way I wrote it was as if the only solution to not liking your job is working for yourself. Yeah. And I don't think that's necessarily true for a lot of people. I think there are um, environments that are really fulfilling. Um, yeah. You know, there are a lot of, in fact, you know, what we're trying to build at Fizzle, I think, is a this sort of um, environment where people can thrive, not only because they care about the thing that we're working on, but also just because everybody has freedom and autonomy, you know, to, yep. to do things for themselves, which is something I, I always felt like I couldn't find. You always, I always had like a boss breathing down my neck yep. or you had so much freedom that you were completely disconnected from the mission of the business. And so I think it's, it's just hard to be happy that way for some reason. And so um, for people who want to find happiness within a job, maybe you don't have to work for yourself, but you have to find either the right environment or the right mission, I think, right? Something yeah, there's that something really, in the purpose. Something that you really believe in and feel connected Steph, to. Steph, what, what, what does this topic make you think about? Well, I guess, I don't know, this topic brings up a question for me that I would lo- love to hear from you guys. So do you guys think that starting your own business or having your own business, does that mean that Sunday, Sunday Dread is always going to go away? That's kind of what I'm wondering. Say that again. So if you are, if you have your own business and you are an entrepreneur working for yourself, is it a given that you're not going to face Sunday dread anymore? Or is it possible that there's more to it than that? And that it's not necessarily the case that just because you're dealing with some of those feelings on a Sunday night, um, that it has to do exactly with your working situation. I think that's what I'm sort of wondering, because I guess I'll, I'll sort of get out what I'm, what I'm thinking for myself. I think it's possible that if things aren't aligned for you in terms of how you're setting yourself up, like I think about what I like to do on a Sunday, which is sit down with my productivity journal and maybe even plan out like what meals I'm going to have with my husband for the week and start prepping for that. Those are little things that you can do to set yourself up for a really good week, um, regardless of whether you're in a job that maybe is not the right job for you forever, or you're doing the work of your life. So I think that there are small steps that you can take on a Sunday that 
that will help your situation regardless of whether or not you're doing your life's work is something that's really helped me. Yeah. And I, I think um, that's kind of the idea of today's episode It's not necessarily to say, okay, if you hate your job, it, here's this radical thing you need to do in order to be happy. Part of today is also what can you do to cope with the job that you don't necessarily like? Yeah. To or, me, or how can you, even if you do like your job, how can you like it more? It, you know? the, the, the Barrett, when you were bringing up um, uh, the, the, it was kind of like there's two, two sort of topics. One of them is like sort of coping with uh, dealing with uh sort of ways to potentially alleviate or or get out of that feeling of I hate my job and then the other one being starting up your thing as a, on the side of your day job right? Yeah, right and I think that maybe that's maybe that's too broad of a of a topic and maybe we should just focus on cuz the truth is what I love that's in this question is twofold number one we all know the law of the jungle is you got to pay your bills like we have to pay our bills. Money is so it, it's absolutely critical and important. I grew up in a big house on the hill. I didn't know that, right? Because I didn't have to think about that crap, and I got this this excuse to just to to go like I, I don't care about money. I'm gonna go make punk rock music with my friends, and I got to go like really deep into that because I didn't know it was like to to be hungry. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and subsequently had to come way back around. And, uh, and I'm kind of, and, and, and I get to come at it from a lot, a, a very different way than a lot of other people, right? Pros and cons to both of those. But, but at the, that is such a, a big deal. The fact that we have to make our money. Okay. So we know that that's built into this thing. Then the second thing is, and this is probably my favorite thing about this terrible situation is that what, if we could step back and if we could get sort of a little bit guru about it, you know, what is happening here is your body, your body really, you know, your soul is sort of telling you something, isn't it? It's telling you, what am I doing here? You know, what is this about? This whole life thing. Here I am. I'm this beautiful woman walking around the world and I, and I hate my job. I hate what I do for a living. You know, like, what is this? Right? What, I'm, I'm, this, I'm this handsome man. I'm this person who has a lot of light to give to the world, a lot of things to get from my soul out into the world. And yet I go to bed every night going, oh, no, I have to get up and do this all over again. You know? Yeah. So, like, you know, you put your guru voice on there, but I, I pulled this quote from a woman named Alison Vesterfeld uh, as she's writing on the Huffington Post about exactly what you're saying. And she says, it can be hard to find meaning in what you do, no matter your job title, but it is possible. Everyone doesn't hate their job and it's not irresponsible for you to ask yourself the questions you need to ask to find work you love. Something like, what do you want out of your work in life? You may discover you need a new job, or you may find you simply need a change of perspective. And I thought that was an interesting way to kind of get at this topic of, hey, going back to Steph's question too, of sometimes it's the job and sometimes it's you. And you got to figure out whether it's a business or your job, you got to figure out which one of them it is. Because sometimes the work is the problem and sometimes everything else that you're doing or things outside of work are the problem in your life. Yeah, I think there's an important cautionary tale there because it's very tempting to get caught up in sort of this shiny penny syndrome where you think to yourself, if only I had that thing, if only I had that house or I lived in this city or I had my own business, I would be happy. And I think to some extent, while that is by no means an excuse to just accept your lot in life, I do think it's important to recognize that to Barrett's point, you might still be carrying some of those things that are going on inside your own heart and mind if you don't address some of the things that are going on beyond just the job that you're in. So I think there is there are a few important questions in there. And having your own business is probably not the end-all, be-all solution to some of those things that you might be dealing with. 
Yeah, I think uh, you're you're both you're both bang on, and I've been in situations like that where. So the one story for me is was at this startup that um, that it was not something that I was passionate about, and it was the but it the the there. By the way, Steph, you got me listening to that TED Radio Hour. Yes. Um, holy crap! Do you like it? <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad. There's a couple episodes in there that have been phenomenal. It's so good. like one of them is on like how humans organize themselves. One of them is on identity. One of them was on uh, I can't I can't even remember what. But one of the things on the and the one about how humans uh, uh, organize themselves is is in a crisis. Okay, uh, tsunami, flood, earthquake, crazy stuff goes on and. People just like get activated. Like you're like, I got clothes. Can I bring the clothes? Yeah, bring the clothes. Put them over there. Okay, what's going on with the water? We're gonna need a lot of water for these people. And then things just start happening like that. Everybody like it's very common apparently for people to say that was the most important and and best time of my life mm-hmm. was when even though it was a crisis, even though it was a terrible terrible yeah. crisis, because you felt really you were a part of a team. Yeah. And then another thing that that documentary Restrepo, the 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 guy who made yeah. that about uh you know these military guys. In, that are taking like apparently 80% of the fire in Afghanistan. Um, every, like when they come back, so many of them are like, I just wish I could be back there. Like yeah. it was not because they're crazy people who like killing people. It's because they had a point, they had a purpose and they had a role in a, in a small crew. There's another thing coming about the stats about we're kind of designed to be operating in a pack of about 30, not this nuclear family of, you know, three to six or whatever. Right. Or just two or like a friend group, like a loose friend group of 15. Like we're kind of, we do best neurochemically in these pack sizes of like you know, 25 to 40 in some ways and and if you think about that that's kind of weird but guess where you can get that it it, kind of like your job is sort of meant to be that Mm -hmm. to fulfill that role because we're not we're so far away from needing survival right yeah but in so many jobs like you don't get that you don't get that in so we talked about the bigger purpose but beyond or smaller than the bigger purpose is this that sense of teamwork that you get where you're all at least trying to accomplish something even if you don't care about the bigger purpose yeah even if you have that thing where you're all marching towards some, you know, some goal that's three to six months out or something yeah. in a lot of companies, you don't even get that. You just get no. this mundane, you're on your own day to day stuff where you're kind of wandering and reporting yeah. to one person. I always make this this silly joke about like there's I know that there's people in Procter Gamble, like in some like, you know, tooth tooth care team just like just like who, who believe we are we have the best possible toothpaste you can put in your mouth and we are changing the world one consumer experience at a time and it is critical that we get more brand engagement from our cons- you know what i mean and this that and the other come yeah. on guys let's get out there and do it oh perfect story i was in san francisco this past weekend saw a burger king right went to this silly cheesy burger king to get a breakfast after 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 a run because it was the only thing around and I see this like freaking Comic Sans printed out BS thing right as the right on the window where like the food's coming back from the, the I guess you can call it a kitchen to the people who like are putting that on the on the counters and placing it out to you and calling your number, and it says, "Has everything been accounted for? Fast, friendly, and accurate." Are you proud of the way this this order is going out? Right, and that's the story. This is something that is important to me. That's the story. This Burger King manager, the sh- 
the Burger King manager is trying to get their his comp- his employees like fired up about when the no that's the here's learn this that's a that's a bad story that's a stupid story that nobody cares about is it accurate that's not going to get me to rally and give my life to something but if you tell me a story like don't forget everybody who's here has worked really hard for their dollar and they deserve they deserve this food. And sometimes this is the only food that they're getting because that's the only food that they can afford. So every dish that goes out, remember that that person on the other side of the counter, they matter, right? Maybe not to you, maybe not to me, but to them and their family and their life. So put that out there and take care of them. That is such a better story, right? So half the time when we're talking about your, you guys were talking about the expectations or or your mindset about your job. It's not just your job. Half the time it's like, you don't have that story that this thing matters and it could exist, you know, for that company or for that thing. You could be, you could like, here's a trick, frame it as David and Goliath. Like just, here's my company that I work for and just, just picture that bigger company out there, you know, Apple or Huli or 3M or whatever. Right. And you go, we're the little guys and we're going to try to take these guys down and we got to do it 1% at a time and yada, yada, yada. Now all of a sudden you kind of have a little bit of that mission, but the challenge is, I'm, you know, some, you know, social media manager. I'm not going to be able to to do that for my for this whole like silly company, right? Kind of has to come from somewhere else. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to think about where that comes from. Jesslyn, my wife was just commenting the other day about how you go to Trader Joe's and everybody that works there seems to be younger, yeah. hipper, a little more willing to help you yeah they might say something funny or smile at you or whatever it totally. just, it's a better feeling yep. than when you're at safeway or whatever oh, yeah. where everybody just seems like super bummed out same thing with there. like costco yeah i mean it doesn't have to be this cool small thing it yeah. could be like this really big thing but they're just like somehow costco set themselves up as a place you could work for for life right and people love to work there and to me i look at that and immediately i go like like, like oh i would never work at costco until i talk to anybody who works so, at costco so they love it so we're kind of back in the uh if you hate your job maybe you should go work for costco instead of where you currently work right <laughs> yeah. so but if if you're super bummed out about your job right now and you don't happen to work for costco or trader joe's somewhere that you could enjoy your time at least while you're there yeah what can you do like what i i have the sunday yeah. dread i I don't like my teammates. This I is where a lot of a lot of those articles we were reading, and they're just they were just such bad articles. They, they were, were just they were so bad, so oh so bad because there's because you know what we're dealing with here is this is one of the biggest questions you can ask yourself in the modern in the modern era. Like this is one of the largest things that we can ask so let's, ourselves. Let's um, why don't we ask each of ourselves like yeah. what was something that you did to cope with a job that you didn't like yeah. that made it a lot better for you? What was something, Steph? That where did? would you start? Well, can I just start by by picking out on the topic of the bad articles? Here's the roundup of the advice that I picked up. It's basically the advice that's out there says, complain, find people you can complain to, yeah. look look forward to your real life outside of the office, and yeah. then look forward to changing your job every few years. And if all else, all else fails, you can go seek professional help to help you deal with <laughs> yeah. your yeah. job. I mean... I could yeah. get so ragey about this. It was like, so bad. Actually, the the one the one tip that I did hear that I liked was like, hey, just start getting up earlier and yes. invest an hour in yourself. Yeah, just me that. time. That I, I heard that and I was like, this is actually a really good tip, and it would be really challenging. But that's the way you live a better story is by mm-hmm. waking up fifteen minutes earlier today for the next month, and then fifteen instead minutes earlier of the like, next month instead of jumping right into the pile of shit. exactly, yes. yeah. Yeah. totally.
completely agree with that. And I think having that intention with your day makes all the difference. The other thing, two more things I would say. One is I think take action and that kind of ties to getting up early. I think the enemy of fear and paralysis is just taking action. Just do one thing, whether it's one thing towards your side business, if that's what you're doing or exercise or just do one little thing that kind of sets everything else in motion to break you out of that like paralyzing dread that you can feel on a Sunday, I think is really big. And the other thing I'll say too, and this is kind of goes back to Corbett's point about teamwork and collaboration. And uh, I think it's a great point too. thinking it's so interesting to me that a time of crisis for somebody could be, you know, the best time of their life. That really takes me back to my days at Groupon. Um, you know, I loved so many things about working with that company. I had, I had some great coworkers. I had awesome teams, incredible mentors, but you know, at the end of the day, like we were a coupon website, you know, and sometimes you'd get so wrapped up in the work and we were trying, we were trying to make it happen. And there were so many things that were broken. And I just have this memory of my mentor turning to me and saying, Steph, at the end of the day, it's just an effing coupon website. And I loved Mm. what he would say that to me because it would get so easy to get wrapped up in these things that make you feel like everything you're working on is sucking your soul. But what he was really saying with that is it's about collaboration. It's about connection. It's about relationships and it's about providing something that we all can believe in. So at the end of the day, sometimes I think maybe taking yourself a little bit less seriously can can be really helpful and find, find ways to have fun. That's what I would say. Barrett, what what would you add? So the first thing I would say is be a f***ing all-star. Be good at what you're doing. And hey, I use a cheap whoa, cuss word. This is there. a I know. fan. I use the cheap cuss word. That's I do. the it's most like expensive a cheap way of providing word. emphasis because I get so tired of people whining and you ask if they're any good at what they do and they have no answer. It's like, well, no, I don't try very hard. Like I don't put any effort in. I'm not very good at what I do. Well, why don't you start there? Because starting a business just because you hate your job is not going to make you any better at being good at something. And so why don't you start with the shitty job you have and being good at something there and then prove to yourself that you're going to be able to do the same thing when you're running a business you want to run. So I would start with being good at now, it. You know, and, and that is a good point because within any company, no matter how like mundane yeah. it might seem to the average person there, there are A teams. Yeah. And a lot of times those teams get the interesting work, yeah. you know? And so you could always work to be part of those A teams and you're going to enjoy your job a lot more. Yeah. For me, similar on that. I mean, I think what to, I would call that kind of like, you know, just get in and get involved, like get engaged, try to improve, uh, your thing. Um, what one way to do that for me has always been, uh, allowing myself to start some project, like to head up some project in the thing. I mean, anytime we got to redesign the website of, of the company that I was in, I, I was involved in that and I was the one doing the work and I loved that. The challenge was that it was a cheap, chintzy little thing for uh, that, that like nothing and no one in the organization really, really, um, believed was super important. And then even when we did do the change, it didn't change anything because that wasn't where our business was at. <laughs> it, was, it was like in the place where a web design could in, could move the needle on sales. You know, that just wasn't the industry we were in. Um, but those projects that allowed me to engage, um, were, were, a, those mo- were the only moments that I remember being like really, really sort of involved in stuff. And so and it wasn't always just the things that I, that I spearheaded, uh, to your point, Barrett, like, Oftentimes, if I could just be honest about what I don't know and ask the CEO to like help me learn these sorts of things, um, he ended up taking me on all these trips to all these boardrooms, and uh, and I got to learn. So, even though I was really really uncomfortable in those roles because they just spoke a completely different language, uh, he brought me there 
to, to help me understand like, this is how this works. And I got to learn how those places worked and how to be myself in that room. And that was the most important lesson I've learned from that whole time. Besides just being with that entrepreneur, like you met, you, you, Steph mentioned you're, you're a, a mentor. What, what is the role of a, of a mentor? Was that a big deal for you to have someone in there that would, you would actually call a mentor? There is no way I would have done five years at the same company when all my friends were changing jobs every one or two years if I didn't have that mentor and a couple other mentors. So, and I, I really, that sounds like, might sound overdramatic, but it's 100% true. Hmm. And I think one of the things you're saying too, Chase, that's so important is, what stuck out to me is you said that you would proactively get engaged. And I think yeah. that's a mistake that a lot of people make. They show up to their jobs and they think, well, I'm getting passed over. You know, I don't have anybody who's going to mentor me. So this place sucks and I'm out. And the truth is yeah. about mentorship. One of the best pieces I got about mentorship is it is your job to go out and find a mentor. A mentor is not going to just come up and smack you in the face necessarily. That can happen. And that's great. But yeah. you know, find people who you admire within your company and jump in and ask them to coffee. Even if, if that's scary, that's something I started doing and the relationships that you make and that, that engagement that comes out of it and the things that you learn, that's, I mean, it doesn't matter what company you're at at the end of the day. If you can find that, that's, I think that's the number one way to, to feel that's like you're growing. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And, and the thing is like mentors span organizations. They're going <laughs> to stay with you after you leave, yeah. if you build a good relationship with them. So it's not, a today only kind of thing. It's a relationship that can last if you do it the right way. Oh my gosh, a hundred percent. My mentor lives in Portland. And when I come out to be with the fizzle team, I, you know, I'm making plans to meet up with him and he's just somebody. One more second. reason, Steph, See, just know. one <laughs> more reason oh boy, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> to get you out to Portland. <laughs> but right. I think to, to one more thing, and then I want to hear Corbett's answer uh, on that mentorship thing. Maybe one of the reasons why that works so well, I have this hunch that it doesn't matter what your company does, what the company does that you work for. I, I, I also have this hunch, hunch that, that it's not about working for yourself. It's about feeling like you're a part of a family, a team, uh, that, that, you know, pack of 30 or so, so much people yeah. that you're like, I just, I'm a farmer. Like, like we all, like I always, I always take us back to like caveman or agriculture world where it's like, you have a job to do and your job, your job is, is important. And whether you're a hunter gatherer or you're, or you're, or you're, you know, in the industrial, uh, sort of world, just stamping things on the forward line a hundred years ago, like you felt like your job had some significance, not that you were doing anything all, like you weren't like saving people's lives even. Right. But it's just like, there was a little bit of purpose to it and you, and you weren't isolated. I think that's the most dangerous thing because when I look back at when I felt the shittiest in the jobs I was in, I felt really isolated. I wasn't talking to anybody there about how I felt about it. Yeah. I wasn't talking. I mean, I would talk to maybe my wife about it um, and she would give me this whole like, remember how our son's getting born in three weeks? Like, please don't leave your job right now. <laughs> right. Right. All of this responsibility, you feel kind of crushed by that, like this heavy weight on your chest by it and you feel sort of trapped. And I think so much of that could have been alleviated if I had that, that sort of, uh, that openness there. But so many of us are getting hired, not because like we're getting hired by people who want to build a strong team. They're getting, we're getting hired because like, Hey, this is your work to do. Here's what I expect from you. Go do that thing. And yeah. you don't have any of that relational value. Yeah. And I guess if I had to choose, if, if somebody's looking for a new job and they're thinking, well, should I try to find a place where I'm really aligned with the mission of, of what they do? Or should I look for a place that is more of a cultural fit where I get along with the people that I work with? Yeah. I'd go for the latter. Yeah. I think because hundred percent, because you can, you can always find meaning or you can make up meaning for yourself and yeah. you can tell yourself a story. You can, you can paint a picture that makes sense. 
um, changing the way that you interact with a culture that's just different from who you are. That's it. It's, it's a hard road, I think, to find happiness when everyone else is just alien around you and, or maybe there's not much teamwork or camaraderie or whatever on the team. Yeah. That's going to be really hard to change. I think one of the things that we're really talking about here is uh, when we talk about jobs, we're not talking about jobs. We're talking about this feeling of security and safety. And, and um, because what happens if you don't have a job? Like I still can't, I still don't have a good answer for, okay, say we did a robot. Uh, we, there are robots that, that do all of the jobs, right? There's this conversation I heard about this. Robots that do all of the jobs. So what is like what's money now? What is like what what's what's work? What's value? What like I, I what do we not that not that we're working ourselves out? Of, I mean, there's no way to stop technology. Like that's just where it's going to go. And there'll be stuff to do. There'll be creative things. But I'll have a robot that does my hobbies for me because they just do it better. <laughs> like I'm, I like to sketch and draw. My robot's way better at that than me. So I'll like have him sketch and draw mm-hmm. like particular things for me. Like where the the question that that hypothetical world makes me think about is is. <laughs> And I, maybe that that's not that's not very valuable. I guess I don't know. The point the point I'm really getting at is what what would happen if you quit your damn job and you went and and pursued your your dream career? That's what the question is on everybody's heart that they're too afraid to ask. Because I've got kids, I've got responsibilities. This is terrifying. What do you mean? I can't just do that. That's fine for that person, but not for me. Yeah. We all live under this crushing weight of quote the real world or quote that's how life works. Yeah. Right. And I think that we're imbuing that with maybe more power than it actually has. That's my hunch. That's the hunch that the, you know, that whole industry of, of self-improvement and, and living a better life now is built on is this, what if, what if that, what if that, that's the myth you're believing in it? And it's no more than just a marketing story. It's no more than, than it's just, it's exactly the same thing as melting your hands, not melting your mouth, not in your hands. What if you've just come to believe that because you've, because that's what, really fundamentally drives our, our mostly western industrial culture is you can fu- you can die you will like your life will be terrible if you don't have this job if i don't have, it's it's just like a, in startup that podcast when they're talking about the dating world right and you hear all of this talk about like and i have so many friends who are doing online dating and it's terrifying because you're like well i guess i should go for a second date with this guy, but he seemed like really bad. But what if I never find anybody? What if I, ne- what if I'm always going to be lonely? And I think those what if questions in this job situation are extremely debilitating because the, what if I never get another job? What if I try to get that job over there and my current employer finds out about it and I get fired and then I don't get hired anywhere else? What if I can't make ends meet? What if this, that, and the other, the reason why we're asking all those questions is, is what maybe, maybe in some ways why they're so terribly debilitating it's because we don't have this like sense of community where it's like, if everything goes wrong, I still have good friends that, that will like help me out or something like that. Like we're all lone wolves. We are all lone wolves. And I think that, that, that if you could step back and go, what's the worst thing that can happen? And Tim Ferriss talked about um, doing like, you know, you live for a week in the worst possible, like, so go, what, what's the worst possible thing that could happen? Okay. Live like that for one week take the sting out of it just because you, you don't, because it's not like a necessity at that point. You can just go to the store and buy food if you need to, right? But say you were just living on beans and rice. Go try it for a week and then go, okay, so if that's the worst thing that can happen, maybe I can be a little more brave and try something out. 
I don't know. What am I saying? Am I, am I, I'm rambling so, because I feel like there's this deep, deep, deep undergirding thing there. You know, there is, there is. And there, it's like, it goes way deeper than just not enjoying the work every day. It, there is a bigger overarching story that we've been telling ourselves than other people have been telling us and all that stuff that you just mentioned. But at the end of the day, I think it comes down to, you've got a couple of options. If you find yourself miserable in a job, the first thing is kind of what we said earlier, which is change your mindset, take a different approach to the work, be the best you can at the job you have and see if that affects you in the job you're in at the organization you're with. That's number one. Number two is if that's not going to work and you still want a job, go get the job that you actually want. Because I bet there, if, if everyone's honest with themselves, like you were just saying, Chase, everyone can probably point to a job that they actually want that they're too scared to go after. Or my, 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 my better question for that that I like is what are the problems that are interesting or important to you? Right. Yes, what are the, what are the play? And, and then like, where, what are the companies that are involved in that problem? Being a mail clerk in a company that solves a problem that you think is important is, can be so fulfilling, right? Because you're a part of an organization that's doing something that you, you vibe with. I, I think that completely. that's a huge trick. And if you can find a company solving the problems that you do care enough about to spend your time on, go do that. Go find that if you're not happy with the job you have. And if you can't find a company that's doing it, or you think you can do it infinitely better or different or special in some way as compared to what's already out there solving that problem, then go start a business on the side. And that's kind of what we're here for. And so you just choose one of those three. And if you're not willing to choose one of those three to change your situation, then you just need to deal with being miserable. And then you should go read these eight articles that we read about, you know, doing things outside of work and being happy, not being happy at work. So- to sum it up, it sounds like option one is um, make your job better. Option yeah. two is find a new job, and option three is create your own job. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think I think so. And 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 there's a lot to explore in all of those, especially like in the make your job better. Um, that being like you know, so just to remind the the myself of the specifics there, were um, pick a skill or task to get better at to like to actually improve your skills find a mentor someone in the company that that can help you like it's that can help you become right i, I don't know w- what you want to become but can mm-hmm. that can help develop you um and uh, i don't know what else we said besides project mentor well and something i i didn't um get out was this idea that i, I think a lot of companies have really toxic cultures where mm. um you're it's just expected that you're going to be there 60 yeah. or 70 hours a week. It's expected that you're going to eat lunch at your desk. It's expected that you're going to show up at a certain time and um, spend like eight hours in meetings every day. And there are all these things that everyone does and everyone complains about in the company. But then, uh, you know, nobody takes vacation. Yeah. There are all these things that happen for some reason within an organization. And a lot of times it's because maybe the business results aren't living up to what, you know, the expectations are. Yeah. And so it becomes like a worse and worse place to work because the culture is just dragging everybody into this like pit yeah. of despair and of behavior that anyone looking from the outside would go, why the hell are you doing that? Yeah. You know, why aren't you taking vacation? Um, and so something that worked for me was just to toss all that out um, the culture and do what I needed to do for myself. So if that meant I needed to show up at nine thirty after everybody got there because I needed my beauty rest, then f- it, that's what I did. <laughs> if, if boy, do you ever need your beauty rest? <laughs> if uh, if it meant that I took all the vacation that was allotted to me because yeah. that was part of the agreement with the company, 
um, then then that's what I did, even though, you know, my boss and, and colleagues and whatever would go a year yeah. without taking a solid week. You know, of it reminds me of it reminds me of that question. And when you're a freelancer, how much should I charge for what I'm what I'm what for my services? Right. And what I what so often the case is a lot of these freelancers, a lot of when you start out, you don't have that spine. You're not convinced of the value that you can bring to another company or to your clients. Right. So you don't know how to go like, this is what that's worth to you. Mm -hmm. Trust me, because you're going to make X amount of money off of it. Right. And in some ways, knowing when you get like, so that whole first point, get better at your job. When you know that you're good at what you do and that what you do is valuable to the company, you can say you're, you can say to your managers and that like, this is what our agreement was. And I know that what I'm doing is the right stuff. It's valuable. And so I am, I, and let's renegotiate. And I want this because I want to give this company. The dream is that you can go like, I want to give this company everything that I can give it, you know, and work the hardest I can for it, which means I need an extra two weeks a year of vacation or whatever. And if you can or try to get need, to there, or I just need to use the vacation that I, that I'm sure. Given. Yeah. But the, the idea is that, there's a lot of guilt that you end up feeling inside of an organization yeah. because of the way everybody operates. And for some reason, they just all become this like guilt laden place yeah. eventually where, you know, you're not carrying your weight because you took vacation or whatever. Um, but if you can distance yourself from that and, and say basically like, do I want to work here if it's the kind of place where they don't let me take vacation and I yeah. have to be here at 7am every day and, and leave at 7pm or whatever it is. Um, and if not, do I believe that I can achieve the same results hmm. um, while, you know, living the life that I want to live sure, yeah. within this organization? And if so, if this organization really cares, um, will they judge me for my results and not for the amount of time that my ass is in the chair or yeah. whatever it might yeah. be? Um, and if you can make that bargain with yourself, it's, it's not easy to do because most people submit to the guilt. But I found that was a way for me to cope. And in the end, there were places where my manager would notice and say, Hey, you know, um, I like the fact that you don't spend all day and all night here tinkering around. You seem to show up and get your work done yeah, and, um, and let, you know, the results speak for themselves. And that's a really great thing to have somebody call you out for it. And I think that not being part of the culture, yeah. um, and trying to change your culture and maybe your team's culture as well can be an interesting challenge that can get you through some weeks and yeah. months that might not be It makes be me think of one more thing before we move on to to an, the next segment. Um, uh, do, what do you think about this, Corbett? Uh, I think different cities like have different norms. Mm, Wouldn't do. you say? They do, absolutely. Like, And, and maybe one... Again, I, I, I hesitate to be just like, so quit your job and move to a different city because it's easy, it's easy to do it, you know? I know that it's a challenge. I know that you've got your, your family and your life and all of this other stuff that, that this is, this matters a great deal and it's, you got a lot of responsibilities. But the truth is you can come get a job at anywhere in Portland and you're not going to be treated like crap for the most part, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's just a norm of things that the, the, the rats, us regular people just expect from our, from our, yeah, we just expect that now, and you won't take jobs that that'll that force you into 
to a lot of those situations. And, or at least even though there's, there's probably still a lot of bad, bad, plenty of bad employers, there's way less than there would be in another, like in San Francisco where it's like, no, this is the norm because this is your, this are the years of your work and your craft. And you want to give everything you have to that with a little bit of life on the side. And so in some ways you, there's another way of looking at it and going like, where, where else is it? Cause like here we're almost all <laughs> developers and engineers who want to be able to hike, uh, every evening and, and go to the beach in the weekend you know like all of us expect that are questions that are underscoring all of this that maybe we haven't talked about explicitly enough, which is asking yourself questions like, what do I want my life to look like? You know, what, what's important to me in my life? And yeah. perhaps the answers to those questions help you figure out which one of the options you should take, whether it's go get a different job at a company that will allow you to do that or go launch your own business. But I think you have to ask yourself, what really matters? Is it being in a really cool office space? Is it traveling six months out of the year? Is it working from home? Like what's going to motivate you? Because I don't know, for me in the age and stage I'm at in my life, I see a lot of my friends who are meandering kind of aimlessly from job to job. And they're sort of, they get really excited about that next job and they tell me why they're excited. And it's always like, well, I'm going to get more money. And you know, they have a really cool like desk that I'm going to sit at. And, but there's really, it's not connected to anything. Mm -hmm. So I almost wonder if you really got to sit down with yourself and say like, what, what do I want to get to in the next five years? And, And does launching my own business, is, is that the best way to it? Or is it having a different type of job that's going to give me a different type of schedule? So maybe there's these questions that underpin all of this. And, Man, and- Steph really went at it right there. I could just picture oh. a rap song called like Age and Stage featuring Steph. <laughs> for, for me, in this age and stage. Age, <laughs> calling, age Matt and stage. Stage. <laughs> calling Matt Giovanisi. Calling Matt Giovanisi. We yeah, need another rap song. I'll work on that for next time. That's, I'll oh, debut man. it here. But like on that, on that, I mean, I think that, that is what's undergirding this. And that's what the, some of the most exciting moments of my life I've always been those those weird mountaintop sort of moments of clarity where you can kind of see the landscape for that you've been kind of just trudging through for forever in this valley and like and, and then you kind of get up to enough eleva- elevation to go like oh wow yeah this is the direction I've been heading and it's I don't think it's where I want to go because if I'm honest with myself yada 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 and you can't have that moment just any time like there's normally things that bring me to that there's yeah. you know Tony Robbins books or you know, church experiences or uh or just uh you know, taking drugs and watching Netflix's Seven Up series. That is seriously, <laughs> honestly, if you really want to, to to look at your life, go watch people grow up in this Netflix Seven Up series, which is incredible, and just go and go and like, oh my gosh, we all just we all just end up so mundane. Every one of us, all of these dreams and passions, and so you get you, it just forces you into like, so so how do I want to end up? Yeah, you know, you see it happening, and you go like. Oh my God. So how do I want to end up? You know? And yeah, I think a lot of people don't ask themselves the question or, or they're not honest with themselves about where their job fits in their overall. Or we haven't been life. like, we haven't been like those things. And for some reason I've reached out for those. And I've looked for those things. Right. A lot of the times, like you need to be hit over the head with it. I mean, is there a book that any of you can point to a book or a resource or a, a movie of some kind that led you to clarity on that? I've already said this uh, recent seven up. Uh, series on Netflix was something that that has done it for me. What about you, Corbett? Anything that you remember? It was it was life experience for me. Like the this idea of um, jumping from one job to the next, hoping to find, hoping to land in some job that just changed everything about yeah. your life. 
and realizing that you have to change everything about your life. It's about your perspective and it's about pursuing things specifically because they fit into your overall life plan and your vision of what yeah. your life should be as opposed to seeking it from the outside. Yeah, and in some ways you've experienced it so bad that you're like, well, I know it's not that now. Well, it just right? took it just took like, uh, you know, over a decade of jumping from job to job expecting the grass to be greener and to magically find some team and situation where all of a sudden um I was happy. Yeah. And in the end it it turned out that um that jumping from job to job to job was just a way to um to distract myself from asking the really hard questions mm. about yeah. what do I want from my life? Barrett, was there a book or a resource that, that was responsible for a lot of that from you? Uh, I think the first thing that really, really did it was, well, maybe not the first, but one of the things that really, really did it in my professional career was going to volunteer at this camp that I'm now on the board for called Camp Horizon. And during camp, you get assigned to one camper. And so there, it's like a one-to-one camper to counselor relationship. And all of the kids at this camp have been abused or neglected and are in state custody. And so they come there for kind of a week of respite and to get away and to have this sense of family and community that they don't get in the system that they're in. And we had just hired a new camp director that week. And I think on Wednesday or Thursday of the week of camp, they fired her. They sent her home because she was a terrible cultural fit. And the chairman of the board at the time uh, during our staff meeting said, hey, you know, we hired this person. She was from outside the organization. She wasn't a good fit. And we're going to need to fill that spot now after camp is over. So if any of you are interested or might be well positioned to take it, you know, we'd love to hear from you. Come talk to us before you leave camp this week. And in that moment, it was just like this moment of clarity for me where I said, okay, so I'm, I'm in this consulting world where I go to one of the largest companies in the world as our client every week. And I help them streamline their international tax processes so that they can save money around the world when they get audited. And here's an alternative where I could show up every day and my job would be to find kids who are in need, who have no families, who have been abused and neglected, and bring them to a camp and show them the best time or best week of their year every year. That contrast was just too much for my mind to hold at the same time. Uh, And that forced me to say, what do I want my life to look like? What do I really want to do here? And why is it exactly that I decided to go into this consulting world when there are no rules? There is no reason I have to be here, but somehow I ended up here anyways. Mm, that's powerful, man. That makes me think of adding another thing to the, to the like how to cope. It's like, do something for someone else in your company. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like just, definitely. just help, help out because this is one of those proven things for happiness and de- dealing and coping with depression and stuff like that is like, get involved in someone else's life. Like do, do, get, get a little bit, a little bit outside of your, your own self uh, yep. entirely. Steph, what would you say? Well, you know, it's really interesting. I, I would say part of the problem for me is I think I really do think we're conditioned to believe that we're not allowed to ask these kinds of questions, you know, mm. like it's not appropriate yeah. to ask yourself these questions and that this is just how it is. In fact, I'm somewhat ashamed to say that leaving college, I remember looking at some of my peers, people who decided to take a little bit of time off and travel the world or do other things. I kind of looked at those people and I was like, well, geez, that I don't know about that decision. And I sort of felt this very deep 
I felt very deeply compelled to go out there and get ahead and go as fast as I could and get ahead yeah. of the eight ball. And I look at that, you know, five years later, and I'm, I, I think I had this moment where I was like, okay, so what, what was it that I was trying to get ahead of? I, I don't know. I don't know. I realized there wasn't necessarily a thing. And that was a huge awakening for me. And I, I know I talked a little bit about this on my episode on the show about the female perspective. I talked about my moment. For me, it was thinking about what family is going to be like for me and reading the book Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg and, and being like, gosh, I don't, I don't really know if that's what I want it to look like. And that led me to ask the question, well, what do I want it to look like? And I felt yeah. like I just slipped into this like vortex of, I don't even know what I value. So I think in terms of um, finding out what you, if, if you're like me and you're asking yourself, like, I don't even know what I want my life to look like. I know I've mentioned Jess Lively before, but she has an awesome workshop on this, her life with intention workshop. Um, I haven't been through the whole workshop myself, but I have followed her for a while. And I think that's the number one thing is I just had to start asking myself, what do I value in my life? What, what am I trying to get to beyond just feeling like I'm chasing down this, you know, feeling of competition against my peers or against other people? Because I think that at the end of the day, the, uh, the goalpost just keeps moving and that's yeah. just not a good feeling. Mm, I like that. So, I mean, in, in closing, is there anything else that, that you guys want to say? Corbett, you've been making some notes over there. Do you, do you You've got a lot of experience with these questions. Yeah, I guess the 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 third part that that we didn't necessarily get to. So we talked about, you know, how to be satisfied with the job that you have and a little bit about how to find, uh, you know, a different job or how to ask yourself the big questions. Yeah. Um, for some people, those big questions lead to, well, I need to create my own job because yeah. I'm just not going to be happy anywhere or, or whatever. Probably, I was, and I would say, honestly, probably for most of the people in the audience listening, that's going to play a role in in your path, whether you it means you're all only working for yourself, doing your own thing, or if it's always just something you're building on the side. And eventually, one day, you you you're and you're in a job that you kind of like, and you stick with it for the next ten years. And eventually, you go like, I don't need this anymore because my you know artisanal jams are selling and have sold for the last decade. Yeah, you know. So, but once you once you ask yourself the big questions and you decide that the job that you're in isn't the job that you want forever, um, because you want to go find your dream job, um, or or join a team and build something or start something from scratch, then if you get to that point where you can see the job that you're in as a means to an end, mm -hmm. for me that was a pretty powerful place because it allowed yeah. me to to create enough distance from all the guilt and cultural bullshit within an organization. Yep, totally. That um, allows you to do really good work in a compact amount of time. And it allows you to have enough time left over to start working on your next thing, whatever that yeah. is. And that really put me at peace with some jobs yeah. whenever I got to that place. In fact, I, there was a situation where I had the same job twice. Once I was just a regular employee. And then about a year later, after I had moved on to a different company, I was furloughed. They actually furloughed like half of the company because the um, the bust of 2001 that happened in the internet mm. world was so bad that they had to almost lay everybody off, but they decided to not lay us off. They decided to furlough us, which meant we would come back eventually. Yeah. So I ended up going back to the company that I worked for before um, for like a six-month stint as a contractor. And having that distance and just seeing those six months that I needed to do there as a way to put cash in my pocket so that I could get back to the other job. Yeah. Seeing it just as a means to an end was such a blissful place. I look back on that 
now and think fondly of that period a lot of times just because what do you think what do you think it gives you uh, i hear you saying it as a means to, to an end it's it allo- like you it allowed, have an end defined yeah it allowed me to live my life i think and yeah. to uh, i uh got you know it really into fitness during that time i really explored the city that i lived in i made a lot of close friendships because i wasn't so obsessed with my work for a while yeah and i learned something from that uh, of course i went back into being obsessed with work <laughs> but just just trying to figure out um how you can make the job that you're in simply just something that you have to do so that you can get to something else and i think that's the power it's like what is that something else yeah. what like a means to an end like defining that end those are the questions that you're asking steph right yeah definitely and i think maybe even further than that i love that point and i would take it one notch up and say try to be thankful for the job that you have and what that gives to you i, yeah. I mean when i was coming to the end of my time at groupon i was building my thing before i joined the fizzle team that was one thing i tried to practice regularly is you know, have gratitude around the fact that having this job, even though it was hard to balance both things, it gave me the means to go out and explore what it is that I'm really meant to do. And if I didn't have that job, I wouldn't have had the the comfort, the space and the security to really explore that. And above Mm. and beyond that, I think when you have that gratitude and that like grateful energy, it spills into everything else you're working on. And on the flip side of that, if you're miserable, I think that also spills into what what you're working on. So if you are trying to build something on the side, you've got to try to cultivate that so that you can just, you know, continue to feel like you can get up and do it every day. You know, if I could look back, if I could talk to my younger self and actually say something to me, you know, when I was in some crappy jobs, I'm trying to think what exactly I would say. Do you know, Barrett, do you know what you would say to yourself if you could go back and actually talk to yourself? Definitely. So the first thing I would say to myself is (laughs) don't, Fucking li- he lists it out. He's Definitely. like, <laughs> step one A. <laughs> okay, keep going, keep going. My brain just works in outline format. I don't know what to do. It with works. It's where you, you're like our favorite listicle. Anyways, I would say to myself, don't quit immediately because I had no idea what that end result was. I was so mm. eager. I was so scared of wasting my life doing what I was doing once I realized that it didn't matter to me that my gut reaction and my jerk reaction was to just quit and then to figure everything else out from there. And it really Which is what we do. It's what we do when we're young though. Like that, that's a very young thing to do. And, and I think we've all kind of had moments like that and then you learn past it. And I think that's, that is what you're saying is if you could go back, you'd say like, don't just immediately quit. Yeah, totally. And figure out what's, what your vision is and then start building that. Prove that you can start building it before you just throw everything away that you already have. Yeah, I think it's it's sort of like, you know, when you're in college or, or school of any sort, yeah. you're there for a reason, yeah. right? Or usually you're there. There's an end date. Right. There's an end date and there's something that you'll be able to do after yeah. that, right? Yeah. It's part of a bigger picture. But then we get out of college and we're all just like aimless all of a sudden. Yeah. We're like in a career, this vague thing, and we don't know where we're going next. And uh, you know, it wouldn't be cool if everybody had a career coach of some sort. And I guess maybe that's what a good boss should be. Yeah, um, absolutely. But but having one that's outside of your organization would be helpful. I I have a friend who is very successful from the outside. He's um, a vice president at a huge company, and he has that itch that most of us have where every few years you feel like you need to move on. And he has moved on a lot and mm. he's climbed the ladder by moving from company to company. But um, this year he's in his forties. He finally took a step back and said, what if 
I'm not going to find happiness from any of these jobs. And what if there's something else in my life that's missing? Mm. And so he's working with a, a coach now, a uh, life coach, basically, yeah. to try to find out the answers to those questions. And I just thought, I'm so proud of him for doing that instead of just, you know, putting his head down and going from job to job to job. Yeah. And then you get to the end of your career and you're like, what the hell was that? I yeah. didn't have any structure to it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, Steph, what would you say to yourself if you could talk to your past self? Yeah. I mean, I think um, I would just echo a lot of the things you guys have said, but I, to me, it's all about asking myself what I really wanted my life to look like. And, you know, I do love that Steve Jobs quote. I know people talk about it all the time, but I'm going to quote it anyway, which is if today were the last day of my life, what, what I want to do, what I'm about to do today. And whenever the answer has been no for too many days in a row, I know I need to change something. So I like that quote, but I also would temper it with what Barrett said, which is don't quit and succumb to that sort of instant gratification of of wanting the next sort of shiny and exciting thing. So to me, it's a deeper question about what do I, what would I do if every day was its own lifetime? You know, would I be happy with the life that I'm living on this day? Because I think there was definitely a period in my life where I really looked forward to the weekends. The weekends and the weekdays were so extreme when you compare them to each other. You know, the weekends were all about having fun and partying and things like that. Yeah. And then my weekdays were sort of just counting down to doing it again. So I think to ask myself questions around how to make my life more even, um, I would, I would have started that process earlier, I think. Yeah, I think as I'm as I'm hearing you, I'm thinking I would I would say to myself something like, you know, you're I would I would try to get myself to listen, create a list of experiences to go do in right. the next 12 months and use your job at, at right now as like the means to that end uh, or the end of the of these means is to just because if I was if I go back to when I was a project manager at some media company, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I had no clue, but I knew it like this isn't it, but I needed to just do the job and do the thing, right? I think if I could have gone back and, and if I could have gotten myself to be a little more structured about new experiences to try out, a lot of that would be just travel. Others of it would be, you know, conferences or, you know, this, just those situations where your life really touches yeah. like other people and put in a, even in a quasi professional environment or like just none at all. Like just being in Southeast Asia, just being yeah. in, in South America, just be yep. seeing how, how the rest of the world lives, right? Those things change you and define you and help you find those things that you actually care about, mm-hmm. right? Because I know that a lot of us just care about uh, getting home and playing World of Warcraft, you know what I mean, or whatever. And that's just because we haven't seen we haven't seen anything else. That's right. right. We've got anything nothing. Nothing really competes with that. Yeah. And and so maybe one of the easy hacks of because I do feel for those people who are out there who are like I don't know what I want to do. Right. I think that's the hardest place to be um, because this world offers you a huge open underlined bracket for you to go like, what do you want to do? And the cursor is just blinking. Yeah. And you're just like, I don't know. I, I don't know what I want to do. Like, I just took this job or I like I got this degree or, or you know, and everything's just kind of like we're forced into this specialization that feels a little unnatural. But maybe one hack is just, OK, go force yourself through a like just a list of experiences and like everything you know, five weeks, Yeah, you're doing another experience and it doesn't have to be international. And then ask can, yourself some deep questions at the end. Yeah. Of that. And now, cause that, now all of a sudden, like if you give yourself like, okay, I'm going to do one trip every month. And some of those are going to be like just a weekend camping trip, uh, around town or right. around right where I live. And some of them are going to be like, I'm going to Thailand for a weekend. Like just, just to try, <laughs> just to try to, to not sleep for two days and be ex- extremely jet lagged and then come back. Cause then, you know, again, you're going to get to go to Thailand another day. Right. And, I, and I'd say it doesn't all have to be travel. Um, and it can be less expensive than that. There yeah. was a period where I decided to just do a bunch of like 
personal enrichment kind of stuff, I guess mm-hmm. you'd call it. <clears throat> I took an acting class. I took sailing lessons. I started learning Spanish. Um, all while, you know, I was busy yeah. with the startup at the time, yeah. but it was a way to just experience some different things and try to figure out what I wanted from life and to scratch some itches that I've had for a long time. Um, and that all gives you amazing perspective and it helps you to meet people from other walks of life, yeah. which again can break those cultural, social sort of things that you have come to accept as norms yeah. when they're just norms amongst the people that you hang out with. They're not norms for everybody necessarily. Yeah. So that can broaden your horizons and, and give you ways to answer questions differently. So Steph, in closing here, I want you to tell our lovely listeners, if they're in that third camp and they already are pretty certain about it, where could they go to maybe have a bit of a roadmap to take them through all of these steps and processes of building your own business? Oh my gosh. If you're listening to this and you're in the third camp, you are just so lucky that this resource exists. (laughs) So that's what we do inside Fizzle, right? I mean, we are a community of entrepreneurs that won't let you quit. So for me, I'll speak from my own experience. You know, months ago, I just started to feel like I had this pull. I was doing really well in my role at Groupon, but I just had so many people coming to me and asking me questions about how to be successful in your career. And I started to feel like I looked at people like Marie Forleo and I said, hey, she could do it. Why the hell can't I do it? And um, that's what Fizzle is there for. So if you are feeling like I want to try to find something that is my own, that I can build and and design a, a business around the life that I want to have, fizzle.co, come try us out for a free month and see what it's all about. Part training, part community. Um, I know for myself as somebody who joined, it taught me that this was possible. And I had, God knows, I had a lot of limiting beliefs about what was success and what wasn't. And I think just having people to talk to and explore it, even if you don't end up quitting your job, um, starting that conversation is an awesome first step. Corbett, can you see me just grinning ear to ear over here? <laughs> I don't know. I'm wh- sold. Why would we ever talk about the thing we made when we could just have Steph, do have it. Steph and Barrett <laughs> talk about like, oh, this is why I joined Fizzle. Yeah. <laughs> True. It's all true. So amazing. Thank you, Steph. Uh, I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. I've been Corbett Barr. I've been Barrett Brooks. I have been Steph Crowder. Oh, Oh, nice work, guys. Boom. Good stuff. So there you have it. Fizzleshow.co slash 114 is where you're going to find links to not only Corbett's three reasons to never take another job post. As well, though, you're going to find a little motivation from Shia LaBeouf. Shia. Shia LaBeouf. Yes, that Shia LaBeouf. And yes, it might be the most motivating thing you've ever seen from a dude with a ratty ponytail. That's at fizzleshow.co slash 114. Sarah Jane from the UK wrote, I started listening to you guys as something to do whilst working out at the gym, and I was happy in my job and in my life, and now... I've got to start my own business, and it's all your fault. Your podcasts are informative, although having worked with startups and incubators for a number of years, I know quite a bit about the subject. What intrigues me and keeps me coming back for more is that you seem to have stumbled upon a totally inspirational and motivational format. That means the listener can't help but act. So, darn you. I finally got to put my money where my mouth is. That means so much to hear, Sarah Jane. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who's already left us a review in iTunes. You know our goal here is to help you make progress on your business every single week, right? And if you leave us an iTunes review, it helps other entrepreneurs find this show. Could you please leave us a review? Simply search for the show on iTunes Store and click Write a Review. Tell us what you think. Share an inside joke. Maybe 
I don't know. Tell me what color your eyes are. I'd like to know that. Listen, this question about your job stuff, uh, about not having a good job, it actually is a, it's such a huge question. It's so challenging and terrifying and exciting, right? And as the great poet Tom Cochran said, life's like a road that you travel on. When there's one day here and the next day gone, sometimes you bend, sometimes you stand, sometimes you turn your back to the wind. There's a world outside every darkened door where blues won't haunt you anymore. Where the brave are free and lovers soar, come ride with me to that distant shore. We won't hesitate, break down the garden gate. There's not much time left today. Life is a highway. I want to ride it all night long. Hey, if you're going my way, I want to drive it all night long. Find care, take care, serve hard. Mm, day again. Thanks, and I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday. <laughs>